Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everybody, welcome into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick, joined, as always, by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. We are here to discuss the start of the Patriots offseason program. We're also going to do a Q&A uh, for you all here. I am on my last day of Florida. I have to show you guys all the view. I got to show it off. Oh, there it is. So That's nice. Look at Mike, everybody. Yep. But I come back to the real world night, So, yep. Yep. I'm in Florida. Bruins are playing Florida. So, uh, I got to get out of here before the uh, Panthers fans come after me. But uh, we're going to do a quick hitter here, like I the said. Pa- the Panthers fan. We'll do- you mean? Yeah. You mean the exactly. Panthers fan? Yeah. The single Panthers fan that is down here. Um, right. So, yeah. Quick hitter on the offseason program. Q&A, and then we're going to get you out of here because we want to go watch the Bruins just as much as you do. Uh, before we get started, I do want to tell you all that this show is sponsored by FanDuel. So please go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. You will get $200 in bonus bets when you sign up at that URL. Again, it's under us, FanDuel.com slash Boston. Deposit 10, bet 5, and there you have it. $200 in free bets on us at CRNS Media. Uh, they help us out a ton, so please go do that and you can help us out as well. So Patriots offseason program, Alex, began today. Players reported. Voluntary workouts began today. Um, to me, this felt like the great reset of the disaster that was 2020. It feels like now we can put everything that happened behind us, the Matt Patricia saga, the Joe Judge experiment, on offense anyway. That whole thing is now behind us. Players are in. Kendrick Bourne's there. Mike Kosicki's there. Mac Jones. Everybody's working out, getting the hang of it. They can't start the playbook just yet, I don't believe, but they are working out. They're there together. So it feels like put everything behind us and let's start 2023 off solid. I mean, that has to be the mentality. They they can't carry over any of the negativity from last year. And when I, when I say that, I mean the things that were in the Herald report, right? From Andrew Callahan and Karen Garee yep. and the shouting matches at practice, the game planning being incomplete, uh, just the general dysfunction. That's why, you know, I kind of questioned if, you know, I questioned Joe Judge still being in the building. And if Matt Patricia is still right. in the building as well, I would think leaving those two guys behind would be how you leave that stuff behind. Bill's got to put his petty war with Mac Jones aside. Uh, they got to get back to it. And you're right. It is a fresh start. And you hope they embrace it in that sense. I, I think they've made, done some moves to make things easier for themselves. I think there's still more to do. And obviously there's still time to do that. But. Yeah, you, you kind of hope that this is the reset and everybody walks out of there today feeling saying, okay, that felt different. That didn't feel like last right. year. This feels new. So, 100%. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where it goes. The other cool thing, the interesting thing, unfortunately, I can't be there. Like I said, tomorrow's a travel day, but I'm sure you'll be down there. Um, yeah. Open for business tomorrow for media. Uh, coaches, both offense, defense, and special teams, actually, uh, as well as Macro will uh, speak yeah. with the media tomorrow. So, First chance to pick Bill O'Brien's brain on the new offense. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how much he dives into uh, the media if he learns from Belichick, or if he'll be able to, you know, give a couple good sound bites and see what he can give us. But uh, I'll be interested to see that. But you have any thoughts on uh, sort of what we're going to be able to see tomorrow from the coaches, and uh, more importantly, Macro, obviously, too. Uh, a little pre pre draft discussion with him. Macro usually leaves it all on the table. He, he's as far as the Patriots go. He's a pretty open guy. I'm sure he'll be asked about wide receivers. Uh, I'm kind of interested to hear what he has to say about that. Gave a very candid answer a couple years ago about how if you want speed, you got to go get speed. And they drafted the fastest guy from the combine. 
Um, and if anybody asks him honestly about uh, Mac Jones' conversation, uh, Mac Jones' contract, right. I know that he's not up yet. And look, it'll probably be a non-answer. You know, oh, well, you know, we'll get to that when we get to it. But we haven't heard anything about extensions with the current group. That might come up too. That would be interesting. But where he sees Mac Jones at is long-term fit. Uh, again, I, I'm probably wishing for a little much with that, but I think it's a it, it, it's an interesting question. I think he'll get. Yeah, I'm with you. You're on the right track. But if will we actually get anything? Probably not. But we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it can take us. Um, so that's sort of what's on the docket. That's what's coming up. The draft is 10 days away. It is next Thursday. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. We'll come back with another mock draft on Thursday. Um, but for now, let's do Q&A. We're going to open it up to you guys uh, in the chat. So fill it up. Uh, we're going to do basically, like I said, a full Q&A show right up until Bruins puck drop. Um, so let's get after it. Let's talk Patriots. Um, and actually... This I want to bring up uh, as questions start flowing in because I continue to think about it, talk about it. Jameer Gibbs as a Patriot. I'll be interested, and I don't think maybe it'll come up, maybe it won't come up, but I'm curious about Bill O'Brien, his involvement in the draft process, where um, he is involved, isn't involved as far as you know personnel decisions go, um, and kind of what he thinks of Jameer Gibbs as a prospect and as a player. If I was there, I would think about asking it. Unfortunately, I won't be. Um, I don't know if it'll come up, but I'm curious in general, like I said, if Jameer Gibbs is in this team's plans at all because uh, he was so successful under Will O'Brien at Alabama, and he continues to sort of get mocked there. I know I've seen, it at four, seen him at 46 a few times. I don't think he's going to be there. They're going to have to do the trade-up, but uh, overall still curious to see, if, like, like I said, if Jameer Gibbs is sort of in their, uh, in their draft plans and visions. So it was interesting, and I, I apologize. I'm just trying to find this list real quick again, but – Mm -hmm. There was um, Mike Reese had in his column, the Sunday notes, which are obviously always great. Uh, right. Some notes about Cameron Williams, who we've talked about on the show, the team's director of college scouting. The reason I think yep. they might actually take a player from Ohio state this year. Right. And so in that, he mentions that Cameron Williams will probably be in the draft room this year. And the Patriots generally keep their draft room small. He mentions yep. in terms of, uh, those from the team's personnel department expected to be in the room, Williams, Matt Grow, Elliot Wolf, who's the director of scouting. So Cameron Williams, the director yep. of college scouting, Elliot Wolf's the director of scouting. And then Steve Cargyle's the director of pro scouting. Obviously bill will be in there as well. Probably as the general manager crafts, probably right. in there, how much say he has. We don't know the other guys. I'm He's there for the phone call. Right, exactly. The other guys I'm wondering yeah. about are Joe Judge, because it sounds like he's in this mm -hmm. Ernie Adams-ish role, right? And Ernie was a staple in the draft room. So if he's in that head coach advisor role, he would be a guy. A former May. Matt Patricia role, too. Right, and Patricia was Patricia in the draft was in room, the room that year. Two years ago. Um, Gerard Mayo, given that he's probably going to play a big role for this franchise in the future. Does he get a say in the future of the franchise? That's an interesting one. And then Bill O'Brien. Now yeah. I don't know that Bill O'Brien needs to be in the draft room because the value in Bill O'Brien is information. Bill O'Brien's not somebody right. who you're going to turn to and say, we're between these two players. Who do you like? Bill O'Brien's the guy that they probably went to him at some point or multiple times and said, all right, 
Who are the guys? Who are the guys from Alabama who played for you? And who are the defensive guys from the SEC that you played against that were nightmares? And I think ideally all that information has been a part of the scouting plan. I don't know how much that adds on draft night because it's up to somebody like uh, uh, Cameron Williams, Matt Grow, Elliot Wolf. Like their job is to take that information and use it to sort the board. Right. Bill O'Brien's not a guy who's going to be sorting the board. So in terms of draft night, I don't know that he's in the room where he's like, now do it. Take Jameer Gibbs, right? Not that he would talk like that. You know what I mean? But right. I do think yeah. he will have an impact. And he might. He's maybe. He's, he's a hot. End. He's a yeah teapot. Uh, he's a guy yeah. who I think should, if, if if they want to have a good draft, should have a heavy impact on what their board ultimately looks like. But I don't know that he's a guy that's in the room Thursday night helping them pick player A or player B. I just don't think that's that's not his background. That's not he didn't do the right. scouting and all that. Like yeah, he's at the Shrine Bowl. And look, if they really need something, he's on the phone. They can call him. But I think his impact on the draft has probably already been made. Whatever that impact's going to be, I think he's already made it. I don't think it comes here over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, they tried the um, the Bill O'Brien general manager front office experiment yeah, no, uh, in Houston a few years ago. Path. And that was uh, – yeah, so uh, that's a good point as well. Yeah. I don't think we uh, – we don't really want his uh, – I guess his insight on draft night, like you said, it's more uh, leading up to it. So, so I want to bring up, uh, right, let's see here. I, I got a couple okay. here for us. First off, what do we make yeah. the Jalen Hurts contract? Right. Uh, there's also a question here about what it means for Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson's price just went up. Uh, it's not going to be mm-hmm. New England. I think we know that at this point. Yeah. Uh, as for the Jalen Hurts contract, I'll use this kind of maybe looking ahead because everybody's now talking about, the people who really don't like Mac, who really don't want him here, saying, well, even if he is good, look at what you're going to have to pay him. And Daniel Jones got this money. Now they're going to use Jalen Hurts. And, like, you can't pay him that much. No matter what, he's gone. I – Right. People are going to hate this take, and you have to take it for what it is. Like, I can't figure out a better way to put it. This isn't the perfect way to give this take. The money in these quarterback contracts is sort of irrelevant. And, and what I mean by that is when you sign it, right? The, when the chiefs signed Mahomes to that deal, it was, like, Oh my God, they're never going to be able to add another player. It's so much money. And now he's like the fifth highest paid quarterback in the league. Cause the inflation right. in this league is astronomical. As long as the player produces, and that's the key. As long as the player continues to produce these big money contracts, whether they be at quarterback at receiver, at corner, at tackle, they all pretty much even out in like two or three years. Now, it's different than having the guy on a rookie deal. You have less flexibility, but they rarely end up to be like these crippling contracts like people make them out to be unless the player doesn't perform. So right, Jalen Hurts, just another example of this, you know, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for like three weeks. Because we still got Joe Burrow coming. Yeah, We've still got Justin Herbert coming, right? Lamar's deal is going to probably reset something. And when in three years, when they do another TV deal and the cap goes up again, it'll look it'll ultimately look team friendly. We're about two years away right. from calling Patrick Mahomes deal the most team friendly deal in the league. I truly believe that. So, and and this honestly relates to a take I had last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was with Jerry Judy, where people say, "Well, don't trade for him because you're going to have to pay him." And they don't want to do that. 
want some of them don't want to do it because they don't think he's good. He is good. The people are like, yeah, he's good, but Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith, and Jigba could be good as well. And you don't have to pay him. Again, you don't have to pay Jerry Judy the big money until 2025 because you're going to have him on the rookie year, rookie uh, deal this year, and then the fifth year option next year. You don't rip those up. When these new deals get done, they don't rip up. Maybe you throw out the fifth year option as a way to get the deal across the finish line, but like you're not losing that year of cheap control in 2023. And let's say they get right. the fifth year option in there. Well, okay, you're paying him big money, but that's not going to kick in until 2025. And big money in 2023 might not be big money in 2025. So I just think it's another example that, you know, the eyes pop out at these figures. It's not necessarily a big deal. It's really not. Right. Now I remember the original point I wanted to make when I said, you know, if the player continues to perform, the reason that's the key, the the question, the thing that ties a team up when they're debating whether or not they should pay a player big money, the debate shouldn't be how much money should we give them because you're going to have to give them a lot of money, period. The question is how likely do we think it is this player will continue to perform at a high level? Because if he falls off, it doesn't matter if you gave him 40 million or 50 million. And the reality is if he's good, it doesn't matter if he gave him 40 million or 50 million, right. especially a quarterback. So it's more a longevity thing and a sustainability thing than it is a financial thing for me. And I think, you know, the Eagles have AJ Brown under team control here. I think they're going to take a receiver in the first round this year. I really do. So you'll have that guy with, you know, again, AJ Brown under team control. Hertz should still be effective. I don't know that he'll right. be the MVP candidate he was this year, but he should regularly be a top 10 quarterback in the league for the duration of the deal. If he's that, I don't care what money they gave him. It's a good contract. As far as, you know, turning this into Patriots talk, right? And everyone, you know, talks about, oh, well, where's where's Mac Jones going to end up? I think Patriots fans and I guess even analysts, whenever we talk about the Patriots, have entrenched in our heads so much that Tom Brady took took less and he always reworked and he was never top, top of the market. So they were kind of spoiled in that regard. Look, the, the realization is you have to play good player. You have to pay good players, good money to keep them on your team. You can figure out the cap. I'm not as, uh, as far in the, into the conspiracy as Mike Felger, as far as the cap is completely crap, but there's ways to adjust it. There's ways to figure it out. And so the cap can be manipulated to, is, is Jimmy exactly. Stewart's thing. Yeah. Right. And so you have to pay good players good money. You like or else you're they're gonna leave, they're gonna hold out, etc. So you can't always the best quarterbacks are gonna have to make the most money. Right. That's just how it goes. If you get them in, great, and that's how that's how it works. And so we were spoiled with Brady here for so long, but realistically, if Mac is deserving of it, he's gonna get the deal and it, it would end up being worth it. And, and, um I wanna and stay on are, quarterback talk real quick. Yeah. No, I'd say if Matt gets that deal, people are going to whine about it and they're going to say they paid him too much money. And within three years, he'll be like the 15th highest paid quarterback in the league and it won't matter. So, exactly. Um, staying on quarterbacks, and I see this question if a guy like yeah. Anthony Richardson falls to 14, would you consider taking him? So, it looks like Bryce Young is going to go to uh, Carolina. Yeah. It's, it's, he canceled all his uh, pre draft meetings coming up. Uh, it sounds like that's pretty much a done deal. I continue to see. Houston potentially not taking CJ Stroud They're and him continuing to fall down the board. They're trying to drive. I up think the price so too. Pick. Yeah. Um, Adam Schefter said that he thinks that Indy's going to have the the pick of the litter at four. Again, I think that's Casario, someone in his ear. They're trying to drive that up. Regardless, if a guy like Levis or Anthony Richardson falls to 14, 
I now think it's more likely that the Patriots trade out of the pick than they do draft one yeah. of them. I think they're in on Mac this year. Um, talking about Reese's nuggets or Reese's pieces, whatever you want to call it, right, from Sunday. He also said that, what, you like that one, yeah. Reese's pieces? Well, that's what he um, used to call his column, like, back in of, the day, like uh, Patriots Football Weekly. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So, um, anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, Bill O'Brien. One of the reasons Bill O'Brien, he said, came to New England in the first place was to work with Mac Jones. And so he's here. Was there a rift internally between him and Belichick? Sure. I think that's very likely. But they're going to move forward. They're going to give him the year. I think he deserves the year. I think plenty of other people think he deserves the year. So at this point, they're not going to draft a quarterback this year. We'll see how it works this year with O'Brien and all that good stuff. But Mac's the guy. I'm Team Mac. We should be Team Mac. Give him the year. So again, I think it's more likely that they tread out of 14 than they do end up drafting a guy there. Sure. And I agree with you on that because the reality is if there's a quarterback on the board, the same trade moving up from whatever pick to whatever pick, right? So for the sake of this, Tampa's sitting at 19. They might want a quarterback. I'm just using that as an example. Trading up from 19 to 14 just costs more when there's a quarterback on the board. It's two different trades. So yeah, you can get immense value for that. Now you said a guy like... Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. I take exception to that because Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are not the same guy. Not remotely close. If Anthony Richardson falls to 14, and I'm the Mac guy apparently, but if Anthony Richardson falls to 14, I'm taking him because his upside is perennial MVP. His upside is best quarterback in the league. That being said, he's not getting to 14 because of what I just said. He's not falling. He will go top five. Maybe six. If he gets to seven... Six general managers should be fired. Will right. Levis, on the other hand, if he goes in the top 10, a general manager should be fired. Will Levis, <laughs> like, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, yes, no, I'm with you there. There's some appeasing traits. He has some mobility. He has a big arm, but he can't handle pressure. He can't read a defense. He turns the ball over constantly. He has very little throwing experience. Kentucky mostly ran the ball the two years he was there. Now, who does that sound like? Inconsistent, struggles in big moments. Yeah, he's mobile and he has a big arm, but he's probably more flashy than technically sound. Don't do it. Josh Allen. This is an overcorrection. (laughs) The league saw who Josh Allen was and who he became, and they all want the next guy. But – there's a reason Josh Allen is so special because for every Josh Allen, you get 50 Zach Wilsons. If every quarterback that looked like Josh Allen coming out turned into Josh Allen, Josh Allen would not be special. We wouldn't be drooling over Josh Allen because there's a lot of quarterbacks that come out every year that have Josh Allen's makeup. He just turned it to another level. Will Levis ain't doing that. Now you could say the same thing about Anthony Richardson, but I think Richardson has a better chance of maximizing his skill set because with him, it's just consistency. I see him right. make plays at a high level on a more regular basis. He just has mental lapses at times. Levis, those plays you're looking for are much more few and far between. I don't see Levis. I'm going to be a little annoyed if the Patriots take Will Levis because uh, he's the anti like oh, every, yeah, that'd everything be- he does well, Mac does poorly. Everything he does poorly, Mac Jones does well. I don't, you're reinventing the whole offense at that point. And he's not a fit for Bill O'Brien's offense at all. So if it's Levis, 100% trade out of the pick. 
if it's Richardson, I'd consider it because I actually think he and I know people are gonna say, well, I just said gave the same description about both quarterbacks, and I take one and not the other. Richardson showed me a lot more in an offense that was asked a lot more of him. Yes, at the end of the day, you can say both guys are very raw. That's true. But there's a lot more on Richardson's tape that suggests the flashes are real, and there's more flashes than what you see from a guy like Will Levis. Um, I'm going to pull in another yeah. quarterback one here. I think this is actually really interesting. We're going to get into some uh, roster-building philosophy here. Uh, mm-hmm. The comment is the coach who drafts the quarterback are tied together. They go down together and leave together. Yes, but. This is true. And it's look, it's a really interesting point from Mike here because I think this is true for 99% of the quarterbacks that have ever been drafted. I do. And that is why coaches cater to their quarterback so much. And by the way, you say same about a general manager and a quarterback, too. And and that's part of this. If there ever was a coach whose job security wasn't tied to his quarterback, in theory, it's Bill Belichick. Now he might have run that out last year with the Matt Patricia experiment, and now they right. may be tied together. I think they should be because if this is how Bill's going to treat young quarterbacks, I don't know that you can trust him to figure out the next guy if Mac's not the guy. But right, there is an interesting dynamic here where probably to the least amount in recent memory, the coach and or GM and quarterback are tied together. It's probably less true here than in most general cases, but – I think Bill's maybe made it more true than he wanted it to be, or he realizes it is with what happened last year. Yeah, he lost that. Um, he lost that ability, I guess, last year. I would say I, I agree with you, right? But I think back to camp last season, and there were, you know, there was ebbs and flows in the offense, but it felt like okay, this is a very important year for Mac Jones because it's his second year, and they like to take a leap, and yada yada yada. And now I feel like we're kind of talking about the same things again this year, but this is truly like the last straw for this team and this player um, because the option comes in and because of what happened last year with, uh, with the whole, you know, the Patricia Joe judge type thing. Right. And so I just think that, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, they probably are tied together at this point. Um, But you also, the coach who drafts can be tied together. Right. But there's also this idea of Gerard Mayo coming in. Um, so that's an interesting point as well, where what does Mayo think of Mac Jones? And even if, you know, Mac plays well this year and he's still the guy, I guess at that point it's like, okay, you just tie him to Mayo. Well, that's another um, conversation. You go does, from there. does Mayo see it and he wants a new guy either way? Like that right. could be a thing too. No, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, bring up another one here. This was a little bit of news today. Miles Bryant signed his RFA tender. So he's under contract now officially. $2.63 million would full, fully hits the cap, but uh, it fully gets comes off the books if he gets cut or traded. Yanni could just signed his tender already as well. Do we think either of them make the team? I think Bryant makes it. They like him. He plays the way they want. You know, yeah, guys so playing secondary. He's smart. He's a good tackler. Could just, I don't know. Let's see what they do in the draft because they need the tackle depth. If they take a couple tackles in the draft, he's probably on the outside looking in, especially if Andrew Stuber shows up to camp and plays well. If they only take one guy and if they take like a left tackle, right now, maybe he has a spot to compete for like a, a fifth tackle spot um, or sorry, fourth tackle spot uh, at the back end of that roster. So, so could just, I'd say bubble. If I had to say one, I'd say he's out miles. Bryant. They like miles. Bryant. He's going to make the team. Yeah, I agree. Brian will be here. Um, I think I 
I agree with you on Kajus, right? If they go if they go early tackles, uh, first or second round, then he's probably out. But if they want to keep doing this uh, this piecemeal type thing that they've you know gone with, with so far with you know Reef and Anderson, they might just take a guy you know day three early and then keep Kajus around and just kind of put it together and you know throw them out there. So I guess we'll see. But no, I think Bryant's here too, um, barring a really bad camp and them drafting a guy like. Christian Gonzalez or Emmanuel Forbes or whatever the case may be, who just shows out so much that they think that they can, he's sort of expendable in the back end. Uh, maybe Brian's gone, but I think they signed him for a reason. I agree. They like him. So, all right. Uh, I got a couple more here. All right. Um, so this, I chuckled when I saw this. Can we trade Jerry Zappy for Jerry Judy on draft night? There's zero reason the Broncos are doing this. They are no, zero. Russell Wilson might not have been good last year. They are stuck with Russell Wilson financially. They can't bench him as yes. good as Zappy would be in Sean Payton's offense. And by the way, I actually think that's a great offense for him. I would love to see the two of them work together someday. Broncos don't want Bailey Zappy. They want a guy that's going to make an impact right. this year. And that's just not Bailey Zappy for them right now. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, it follows up zapping a three could get us Jerry Judy. Um, not seeing it. No, um, I had one that I wanted to okay. get to, um, but you all can right. go first. If the Patriots, all right. So if the top three tackles are gone, do the Patriots go wide receiver or corner? Seems like you can get a corner later with upside. Uh, I agree with the corner thing. The top three mm-hmm. tackles uh, are gone. I, and I think I've seen some mocks now where Skaronsky. Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Devin Witherspoon, and Christian Gonzalez are all gone at 14. And that, to me, is like a worst-case scenario board for the Patriots. I think if JSN's still there, you take JSN. If he's also not there, well, actually, even if he is there. So if he was there in that scenario, I would take JSN. What I think they would do in that scenario is move down, add an extra top 50 asset or top 100 asset, and then start you know, move down to like 19, 20, 21 in that range and start the run on the second group of tackles, either by taking Darnell Wright, who, by the way, the Felgren Maz big board pick today. It's back, baby. First day yep. today. Recap will be <laughs> up tomorrow on 985sportsup.com. I think they trade back and kick off that run on the second group of tackles, whether that be with Darnell Wright or Anton Harrison. And I honestly go back and forth on who I think is better between those two. I think Patriots will like right. Darnell Wright more as a player. But Anton Harrison's a left tackle, so he, there's inherently more value there. But that's what I think right. they would do in that situation. Yeah, um, I think I agree. Uh, but I, I like these corners. I really do. I really think that they think corners probably a bigger need than tackle. And so that's why I want to bring up this question, which actually piggies yeah. back up on top of this, which is, could you see them trading up from 14? Everyone talks about the Patriots trading back. I can't think of the last time the Patriots traded up in the first round. I want to say Rod Mayo. Did they trade up for Mayo? They what was the twenty twelve pick? They did uh, twenty. They traded up for both of them. Well, so they traded up. Or sorry, they traded back. Oh, was that Jones? And and they, yeah, yeah. They they made like four first round trades that year, but there's trade ups. Mayo was they had like they had an extra okay. pick or something. I forget exactly. I think they had traded. Their first round pick the year before for like a future first that ended up 2012 is the last time they traded up. Um, I I know you're kind of basing this off of you think they see corner as a bigger need than tackle, but 
To me, if they trade up, it means they're getting intel that Johnson, Jones, Skaronsky are all off the board, and they feel like they need one of those three guys. This corner class is too deep to justify a trade-up for one. They're not going to trade up for a wide receiver. They don't take wide receivers. They're not going to trade up for a wide yeah, receiver. No. Um, maybe an edge guy. Like I don't really think so. No, I, I, I think it's mainly just tackle if they move up. No, me either. Like, I don't see them trading up for, like, Nolan Smith. That just doesn't seem like a that move. Um, but the one I think of, like I said, like I was kind of going for was maybe Christian Gonzalez. You know, uh, the tackles go. And so then Gonzalez is there, and he's clearly the next guy that's, you know, going to come up outside of quarterback, right? And the Patriots want him. Look, again, if, if you let it fall, then you can still get Witherspoon or Joey Porter at 14. So it's it's sort of, you know, their preference. But at the end of the day, I don't see them doing it. But that's the one thought that came into my head was maybe they do it for a guy like Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, I did, there's too much depth in the class. Um, yeah, no. So this is going back to that Texans take. Texans don't want to draft a QB, so Mac Jones at 14, et cetera, for the second pick. If the Texans don't want to draft C.J. Stroud, why do they want Mac Jones? That would be my question. The Texans not want to take it, it, and I don't buy it. But if there's any truth to the fact Texans don't want to take quarterback, it's because they want to take a quarterback next year. It's because they want to cash in on that class. You're not going to add a quarterback. Like that to me says extended tank. Adding Mac Jones isn't going to help you extend a tank. He makes you better than, I don't even know who their backup quarterback is right now, who it would be, but it's somebody worse than Mac Jones. Oh, it's Davis Mills. Like Kyle Allen. No, it's Davis Mills. Oh, yeah, Davis Mills. Yeah, right. Davis Mills is worse than Mac Jones. And that brings me to this question. Do we think last year was Mac Jones' basement? In other words, do you ever see him having a worse year than that? No. No. Maybe as bad if the stuff that happened last year sticks and he can't come over it, he'll be as bad as he was last year. But there was so much that was wrong around him. He should never be in a situation that fails him like that again. That is why he looked as bad as yeah. he did. Did he have moments where he could have been better? Absolutely. But no quarterback is going to look that bad on their own. It, it was the situation around him. And again, he no quarterback should ever be in a situation as bad as the one Mac was in last year. Right. That was awful. I mean, there, there's no uh, there's no other way around it, right? I mean, Mac Jones played solid in his rookie year he showed that he can compete at the nfl level was he great no was he a pro bowler technically but probably not you know if you really want to use the pro bowl as a standard right he probably shouldn't have made the pro bowl but he was serviceable he made the playoffs right what he did last year like i said i agree it's it it shouldn't and won't get worse um he should only go up from here and if he does get back to that basement you're right then they move on but no that's that's the basement um, here's an interesting one. Uche and when Duggar, if you could only extend one, who is it? Why it's Kyle Duggar. Definitely. It's Kyle Duggar. I, I think he's the best player of the three. I think yeah. he would be the biggest loss to his positional group. I think losing him at safety would be really tough as much as good as Michael and when is, they've done a very good job of finding and developing guards, not worried about them replacing him. Yeah. Josh Uche. We still don't really know what he is. He had a really good second half of the season last year, and if that continues, great. But I wouldn't necessarily bet a long-term deal on it. And if you end up, if he has another good year and get priced out of him, so be it. I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's 
Kyle Duggar easily. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think you're right about Uche. Yeah, you don't know where, where he is, and I just don't think they're going to extend him. Um, but as far as Owenu, I think he might be a little bit more important to his position group, but I agree with your point that they can you know draft and develop guards better than they can with safeties. I think Kyle Duggar was an A-plus pick where they got him. Uh, he should be the guy they extend. Um, I want to bring up this. Yeah. Quentin Johnson seems to just sort of be like in no man's land in this wide receiver class. You don't really hear about him. He's kind of just there. It sounds like he's a consensus top three guy, but then you see him all over the place on draft boards. If he dropped to the second, could you see the Patriots trading up for him? They did it last year. They traded up for a guy in Tyquan Thornton. Um, Quentin Johnson's going to be your true ex. He's going to be your guy behind Devontae Parker that you want to develop if you bring him here. I don't see them doing something like that. Do you? I don't. And and look, I we need to be done with Quentin Johnson. He ran like a four five something at his pro day. And so, his whole game yeah, but is so straight where do you line see him speed. Going? Somebody's gonna take him like as, as like, far as what round? Late first, early second. Somebody's gonna take him as like a big body jump ball receiver. Patriots can't yeah. develop those guys. They can't. And they have Devontae Parker. I just he'll fall, but that's that's not the kind of player the Patriots see. It's just not the kind of receiver they need right now. And he's not the kind of player they've developed historically. I don't see him working out and doing I don't I don't think he'll be on their board. And that's not to say they don't You think can say Nikhil Harry. Don't be scared to say Nikhil Harry. It's a little different, but yeah, kinda. I just I But I also I, don't think that having Devontae Parker in the room should steer you away from him. But okay, at that point. But so so the reason is like Quentin Johnston doesn't have NFL speed for, to be a burner, right? To be a deep threat, a traditional deep threat. That's what that first round grade, that high first round grade, was predicated on. Is people thought he was faster than he was. Turns out the corners he was facing were just slower than we thought. So he can probably play in the NFL as like a contested catch X. But now you're talking about changing his play style, which requires significant coaching, which the Patriots haven't been able to coach up receivers. And if that's the goal, to get somebody to push Devontae Parker, who's a true big body contested catch X receiver, instead of taking Quentin Johnson at 46, take Charles Tillman at 76. Right. Or trade up in the third round, get him. Because he actually does that. He's done that his whole career. He's very good at it. And honestly, I think he's probably his projection is probably a little low. I don't think teams love the fact that he was hurt last year and didn't produce a ton. So it's not it, it, Nikhil Harry just wasn't a fit. Nikhil Harry wasn't a fit for what they asked him to do. He was never going to be able to do that skill set. I think Quint Johnson can probably be like like there's a role he can fill. But and he, so here's the difference: Nikhil Harry could not have been coached into the skit into the role the Patriots put him in. He couldn't have, right? And that's not to say that he was a good player who they used wrong. It, it's on both ends. But they were asking him to do things he just didn't have in his physical tool bag. I think Quint Johnson can do the things he's going to need to do to be successful at the NFL level. But there, he's going to have to adjust the way he plays. I think he can do it, but he's going to have to. If you're trying to get a player to play that way. Go get the guy who's done it in Tillman. And I, I think I said, uh, did I say Charles Tillman? 
You might have. Or, what? I said you might. Have, but that's I think okay. I said Charles Tillman. That's the corner. It's Cedric Tillman. It's that kind. Of, it's that time yes. of year. Peanut. But go take uh, breaking Boston sports news. Yeah, not Patriots news, but Linus Olmark is in. Bergeron out. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, we'll get we're going to the Boston sports so, minute. We'll get into here, a Boston but, sports uh, minute in a few minutes. I want to bring um, up one more while we're on wide receivers. Uh, well, actually, yeah. two real quick. This person would rather have Ronnie Bell for Michigan than Quentin Johnston. I like Ronnie Bell for them early on day three. I, I do. He had a good year last year coming off a torn ACL in a run-heavy uh, run offense. He's a good route runner. He plays their style of ball. He's going to fit in here seamlessly. Yeah. That's the kind of guy they should be taking. He just visited with them too. Right. Yeah. It's second, second, he also had a meeting with them at his pro day. The guy I wouldn't right. take in that same range, and this is astronomically high for this guy, is Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, yeah. to me, is uh, Malcolm Mitchell all over again. And what I mean by that is mm. he Michael Wilson's played 14 games in the last three years. He's dealt with multiple injuries, including an undisclosed injury, which that term should scare you until we get it clarified. An, un- <laughs> right. an undisclosed injury that cost him most of last season and hampered him into the offseason process. Now, he had a good senior bowl. And when he was healthy, keep this in mind, when he's healthy in 2019, so last time he played a full season, pre-pandemic, yes, he was good. But for his talent, he should be going in the top 50, and he's not, and that should tell you everything. He is, if you draft him in to fix the offense, if you draft him to come in and fix the offense, you're going to have a problem because he can't stay on the field and you're going to get left holding the bag. Now, if they were to take him, with one of those fourth round picks after having taken a receiver earlier, I can get behind that. That's not bad because you're not counting on him. You're not relying on him for a ton. You have your next wide receiver. And Hey, if he works, you're dropping for outside there, right? If he stays healthy, he works out great. If not, it is what it is. You got the other receiver. If they're going to take him at 46 and task him with fixing the offense, it's a mistake. If they're going to take a receiver 46. So I mentioned Cedric Tillman. I like, Marvin Mims is the most slept on receiver in this class. I love Marvin Mims game. He plays faster and bigger than he tested at. He measured in at, he's got that dog in him. There is not a football thrown on his side of the field. that Marvin Mims can't make a play on insane catch radius, great ball skills, body control. He's electric. I don't know why he's not further up in this conversation. I have him as the sixth wide receiver in this draft. I, the, the, Four first round. Actually, I might have him behind Johnston at this point. Zay Zay's ahead of him. Addison's ahead of him. JSN's ahead of him in no particular order. I still take Downs ahead of him because I think he's way more polished at this point. Mm-hmm. He's a little bigger. Um, but then you get further down there. I, I think Mims and Quentin Johnston, uh, especially when it comes to the Patriots, is a good conversation. Uh, you know, I would take Mims over Jalen Hyatt. I would take him over Rasheed Rice. I would take him over Tank Dell. Yeah, very high on him. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think Mims was, would be a good fit. Um, he's in that tier for me, like you said, you know, with with Rasheed Rice and Tank Dell. But I still think Mims is probably the best guy in that in that tier. Yeah, um, I think the, I, have I think one the second that I tier, say. the first tier is those four first round guys. The second tier to me, right, is uh, is Mims and Downs. That's it, and then the rest of those yeah. guys. Sure. Um, this is a comment that I want to turn into a prediction question for you. 
Yeah. Uh, Alex says he would be very happy if the Pats got one of Jameer Gibbs, Darnell Washington, JSN, or Zay Flowers for Mac Jones. So let's predict, Alex. Do you think the Patriots will get their hands on any four of those guys in this draft? Man, I got to tell you, I get my hopes up way too much with Darnell Washington. Both that they'll take him and that he'll be good. <laughs> not that I don't think he'll be good. Not yeah. that I think they won't take him, but I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm already thinking about, you know, the what I'm going to get for lunch before he tries on the red jacket for his enshrinement ceremony. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, we'll be at a, we'll be at good food store. Of course. I, I, it's a good question. I think they want to get one of the four. Let me put it this way. If they have a chance so to draft I. one of the four, I think they will. Now, I could see a scenario where, first of all, I, I don't think JSN's on the board, period. Like, I've said that. I think JSN's going top 12. I think his floor is 12 to the Texans. Um, I think I see a scenario where they don't want to take Flowers at four. They don't want to take any of them at 14. They trade back. Zay gets taken before their next pick. They make that pick in the first round, at the end of the first round, and then Gibbs and Washington go before they can trade up in the second round. I could see that. Uh, but I, so I'd be very happy if they got any of them, all of them. I don't think they get all of them. But although we've done some mocks where they get Washington and Gibbs, haven't we? Or I've seen some. Yeah. And it's not super yeah. unrealistic. But I, I think all four, so we haven't talked a lot about the Patriots draft board. The Patriots are notorious for having a very small board. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they don't that, that they don't see all these guys as draftable, but there's some guys, even if they think they're NFL talents, they know they're not going to take. And that could be for a number of different reasons, from scheme fit to maybe off the field stuff to simply like this guy, we're not going to be able to take this guy, right? We have an 80 pick gap here, and we're not going to be able to take a guy in that range, and this is where he's going to go. So they they have a most teams have 120 to 150 players on their draft board. Some teams up to 300. Patriots generally eight like 70 to 80, and it it's it's just something they do. So when we say a, a player is probably going to be on their board, that actually means something. All four of these guys, I think, are going to be on the Patriots board. Yeah. Um, all right. Bruins puck drops in 15 minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, very much rather. So let's get into a Boston sports minute and then we will get out of here um, so we can check out the Bruins game. Um, I guess we can go left to right here, start Red Sox, Celtics, then Bruins. Um, I don't have much on the Red Sox. Today was kind of an uh, an ugly one, I suppose. I didn't get to watch too much of it, but it kind of rained. You got to see Shohei. Bayo got shelled early. Um, but what do you think of this team as we're uh, a few weeks into this season? They are hilarious. They only play nonsense games. I yeah. the game Saturday. There were three catchers <laughs> interferences, and Yu Chang broke an 0 for 19 with a tank home run. That was awesome. <laughs> but look, yeah. they, they are watchable. They are watchable. Bayo's right. going to have to They're going to have to get some And baseball is watchable because the yeah. – sorry to cut you off. Baseball is now watchable because the pitch clock is outstanding. It is the best rule change I've ever seen in sports. They were under two hours yeah. the other day. I think it's amazing. Oh. Like, it makes baseball – like a good anxiety to the game like it's fun it's awesome i haven't yeah. been to a game yet i know you have what's it like in person it's it's you you're not like looking at the pitch clock but you notice it goes by faster because you, you you've been to so many baseball games you have your routine and you're like all right i'm about ready for like my third inning you know third inning snacks uh concession stand right oh it's the fifth inning like you have those moments right, right. but i've had a ton of fun watching all kinds of baseball uh 
the Red Sox aren't going to win anything this year. They're just not that good. Right. They can't pitch like we thought. The bullpen's a mess. Uh, Cassis isn't hitting, which sucks. I think he'll turn it around. Yoshida's not hitting, which is a problem. I don't think he'll turn it around. Guy can't get solid contact at all. It doesn't help that he only comes up in big situations. Um, you know, they're hitting Rob Ref Snyder third and playing Bobby Dalbeck at shortstop, yeah. but it's a bad car crash. We can't look away. It's going to be interesting to see if Bloom makes it through the year. But yeah, that's my take on the Red Sox. Celtics. Again, quick hitter so we can go watch puck drop. Celtics, uh, they won 112-99 on Saturday. Uh, Jalen Brown put up 29. Jason Tatum had 20-plus, I believe. Derek White had 24. So uh, they're rolling. They're up 1-0 in the series. They are also now the title favorites, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. I wrote that up on clnsmedia.com today. You can go check that out. So Celtics are title favorites. Giannis goes down with a back injury. Uh, what do you see on Saturday? Do you think this team can once again get back to the finals and ultimately win it this year? Um, I know we're only one game in, but uh, what do you think of them on Saturday? It, it, they flipped the switch. This is the team kind of, you yeah, know, they, they, they had their moments in the second half of the year, and I know they blew out Atlanta a couple weeks ago, but I don't know. There's something about that game that was like, all right. They, they looked like last like last year's Celtics, right? Just that team that yeah. they don't just beat you. They crush you. and. Yeah, Robert Al's Williams in his chest, like yeah. yeah. Robert Williams makes such a massive difference when he's on the floor. The edge that he gives them, and the fact that they didn't have to play him a ton of minutes in that game, um, they've got to be better at closing out games. You saw that right. those same third quarter issues we saw. Now they didn't happen until the fourth quarter, but it was the same thing where they just kind of slow it down and take threes to try to run the game out. And that's where they can shoot themselves in the foot. They got to close games a little better, but that you know they're. There, there were some moments where you're a little worried second half of the year there with them that like, ah, do they have that, that dog in them? Do they have that next level to get to when the playoffs come? And early indication is yes. That was a, a really good showing from them. Yeah, I agree. All right. Bruins, best team ever points record, most wins in a season. Uh, Vesna winner and all Mark Bergeron or Bergeron uh, pasta score 60 plus goals. They puck drop coming in eight minutes. Um, I wrote this on clnsmedia.com today as well. Another shameless plug. Um, I feel like it's fairly obvious at this point. I know, you know, it's good to appreciate greatness in the moment and they were the best, whatever. They have to win the Stanley Cup. There is no exception. This season does not matter if they do not hoist the cup in June. Um, it feels like almost, and I don't want to go this far because uh, the Patriots didn't lose a game and that it was a complete disaster, but to be the best team ever in the regular season, and then not win the championship, I think really means nothing. Um, so I don't know if you agree, disagree, but what's your take on it? And what's your take on the Bruins Stanley Cup overall, Stanley Cup run coming up? Well, I mean, on your take, you know, you you said that you got to have to have the best record doesn't mean anything. No team's ever done that. No team has ever been the best team in their sport and won the championship. At least none of the current holders. Mariners didn't do it in 2001. Patriots didn't do it. That Warriors team got there. They didn't do it. Right. And how are you want to do it? Points or wins, whether it's the Canadians or the Red Wings or whichever team you want to use, neither of those teams won the cup. So it's a fair point. And I look, I think there's something to that. It takes so much energy to be that good that you run out. Now I think of any if it happens in any But those are those they're still failures. I think those teams are ultimately, you know, that's they didn't fair. get the job done. Right. I, I think especially when it comes to a team like the Mariners. Absolutely, because yeah. that was the end of their window. Like right. they blew it up after that. I I think if it ever happens, it does happen in football. But yeah, it's gonna be um 
it, they, they've got a lot of pressure on them and it yeah, sucks do. that they're sick right now. Yeah. Hopefully they just survive this series and they get healthy for the next one. And it's definitely nerve wracking. But the other thing is there's a ton of parody in the NHL this year. I don't, I don't think anybody's like that far ahead. Even when it comes to the Bruins, the Bruins didn't, and you could, you can spin this, this kind of a glass half full glass, half empty thing, but the way the Bruins got to the record, I don't think was by being like head and toes dominant over everybody else. What they did was they were just so good in close games. They were so good late in games. They won all those games in overtime. They won all those one goal games that even a team that like they flipped a lot of almost all the 50, 50 games went their way. So it's not that they're super dominant. They're just very clutch. Yeah, they can win. They know how to win at the end. Right. So I've said that to people. Some people see that as like saying they will win the cup. Cause I give that take to people without saying whether I think it helps them or hurts them. And honestly, I'm not sure I keep going back and forth, but that's kind of where I'm at with them. I don't think that they're not like the Oh seven Patriots who are just dominant. They're just so insanely clutch. But when you were win able that to much, win you are so- dominant. Like, cause but, you just but, win. But they weren't, like, I don't mean like win the game, no matter what happens, they won what? 80% of their games. But it's not, it's not like, the Patriots were just this this embarrassment of talent. Yeah, that's okay. Right, where they could just come in and walk in and what those Warriors, that Warriors team was, what the Mariners team was. They were just an embarrassment of talent that could, they didn't have to have their best game. They could just show up and beat you. And that's ultimately what did them in. Because when suddenly they did have to face some adversity, they weren't ready for it because they'd been housing teams all year. The Bruins didn't get to the record like all these other teams did. The Bruins got there because they played in a bunch of close games and they won them all. Whereas most teams, like if you're 600, I'm talking winning percentage. If you're 600 in one goal games, you're having a pretty good freaking year. The Bruins were something absurd in one goal games, like seven something. They stole a bunch of wins. They didn't just outright dominate a bunch of teams. Dominate a bunch of teams. I think that helps them in the playoffs. I'll say it right now. I think that helps them in the playoffs. Are they going to platoon these guys? The goalie being nasty does too. Well, they might early. Uh, I think if if Olmark's banged up or sick and, and they want to make sure that they don't run him into the ground, but there's something to be said for goalie momentum in the playoffs. I think once yeah, you I get agree. to the second round, you got to pick a guy and stick with him if he's good because you got to yeah. let him get into that rhythm. Yeah. Well, let's go see it happen. Let's go watch let's it. Do it. We are out of All here. Right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back on Thursday for another mock draft here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. Um, Let me quickly just pull this up because we are brought to you by FanDuel. So go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get $200 in bonus bets on us here at CLNS Media. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. Deposit 10. Wager 5. $200 in bonus bets. You can bet on the Bruins all postseason long if you want. Let's go check it out. Alex, thanks for tuning in with